Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you, Heisty. Much appreciate the update. As always, welcome back. We're Grant and Danny taking you up. To 6.30 tonight on The Fan, Jay Gruden stops by to talk playoff football with us at 5 o'clock. It's Beltway Blitz time. We'll cover the NFL with Nate Davis and the Commanders with Michael Phillips. But we got to start with the hottest team in town. How about five straight wins for the Wiz on the hardwood? A really good chance to make it six in a row, too. They are at the Spurs tip-off at 8 o'clock tonight. San Antonio's 14-36. and 36. Glenn Consor, you hear on the radio party uh, on the Wizards radio calls, joins us now. Glenn, what has gone right for this team during this stretch? They've been playing really good ball. Yeah, they really have. Um, I think they're doing the little things that kind of weren't getting done in the beginning of the season, like getting to the free throw line, uh, attacking, not just relying on threes. They're not settling uh, for quick threes. Um, and they're also defending without fouling. Um, you know, look, the NBA's as you guys know, it's a, it's a shot maker's league, so you got to make shots, and they're making shots. Denny Avdia, all of a sudden, Glenn, doors have kind of opened up for him to take the role, and it feels like he has. I still think there's more there in terms of playmaking and, you know, maybe playing kind of a point-forward type role for him, but he's been a man possessed since that Rui trade. Yeah, you know, it's given him uh, more playing time. It's, which is really everything to show uh, your wares. It's given him, given him an, op- an opportunity. The great thing about Denny is he could, he could really defend multiple positions. Uh, you know, so that's number one. Number two, offensively, um, you know, he can bring the ball up. He can get a rebound, go coast to coast. Um, you know, he sees the floor very well. So I think those are the things, you know, as from a glue guy standpoint uh, that he's bringing to the table. Speaking of guys who have stepped their game up, Daniel Gafford, 21 points, 12 rebounds in his start at center last time out in their 10-point win Saturday night in New Orleans. Just curious what you saw that allowed for his best game of the season and where we're at with Gafford right now as we approach the stretch of the year. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he was spectacular 
uh, that game. I mean, he really was. I mean, he, he dominated the game inside, um, defensively and, and, outs- and, uh, and uh, offensively and defensively. I mean, he kind of looked like Robert Williams of the Celtics, you know, playing with that kind of energy and confidence and uh, blocking shots and all over the floor. I mean, he was incredibly active. So, you know, I was real proud of him. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's a guy who seems to be getting better and better with every minute that he plays. Speaking of getting better and better, Glenn, I had no idea this was in Kyle Kuzma's bag of tricks in terms of his offensive capabilities. He's he's really excelled to me, getting to the rim and being so aggressive, fighting through contact like he's stronger than he was before. I didn't know he had this offensive repertoire that he's displayed here, uh, especially this season in Washington. What are you seeing from him just in terms of – I know he didn't have a great game the other night offensively, but what do you, like? how is he doing this now and what else could he do maybe in a year or two's time? You know, Danny, you make a good point. I mean, I don't think many people did know. I'm not even sure he knew. Um, you know, he, he obviously is confident. He's a confident kid. Um, but he, you know, his his versatility on offense is, is, is pretty remarkable. There's nothing he really can't do offensively. You know, he's passing the ball well. The last game um, in New Orleans, they triple teamed him every time. And he really didn't force his game, which was great. He kind of came alive a little bit in the second half. And what that shows is maturity and, you know, his ability to, to feel the game. You know, they took him out of the game, but he was rebounding. He was setting screens. He was passing very well. Um, he didn't force his shots, which I think, you know, a younger player or a younger Coos would have done, but he didn't. And the Wizards were able to get that win really because – of the way he played, aside from Gafford playing, you know, I, Gafford blocked a shot at the top of the um, square the other day. The last time I saw anyone do that was uh, Danny Ruye in college. It's been a long time. And I saw him do it once in high school, Glenn. It doesn't happen very often. No, people don't realize how high he jumps. Yeah, he's got hops. There's no day he's a little bunny. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, I know. How should I be feeling or what should I be expecting, wanting, hoping for with the Wiz? They're a game and a half out of the eight spot. They're tied with the Bulls in the 9-10 area right now, but they're also only a half game up on the Pacers, one game up on the Raptors, and that would be all the way down to 12th in the East. So things are all jumbled up right now. How do we feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I look, they won five in a row. You know, they're playing, you know, I think they're looking at it like it's one game at a time, as they should. Tonight they play the Spurs, which they haven't beaten the Spurs in San Antonio in 23 years. Um, that's when Danny was like four years old. So, you know, um, they, they got a lot to do here tonight and they got a great opportunity to do that. But look, it is jumbo. You know, they're playing better. You know, they just got to continue playing better. And look, the, the, um, the trade deadline's coming up. So you, you never know what's going to happen with it, with any team right now. Glenn, great to catch up as always, man. Talk soon. Thanks guys. See you, my friend. Hit the NFL sounder, Dares. But Nate Davis, USA Today, joins us to talk the NFL. Nate, first, let's get this out of the way here initially. I didn't think the officiating was particularly good for for both games uh, this kind of weekend. I think it kind of overshadows what could have been a remarkable weekend, really in just more, more in terms of that Cincinnati-Kansas City game. But what did you make of the officiating and kind of some of the reactions to it? Well, I was the Philadelphia game, so I'm still kind of catching up to it. I'm actually watching that game uh, right right now. Uh, but I mean, the the, the do over play, you know, certainly um, pro- problematic. You know, phantom whistle or not, you know, uh, whistles that were allegedly blown, I think, are always an issue. 
in, in games where where it's kind of hard to prove or, or disprove. But um, after seeing you know the the other side push a couple of times, I mean, I think I think that's probably a pretty hard flag to, to keep in your pocket uh, among other things. But um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame that this is kind of seems like it's kind of uh, dominating the conversation about the uh, the outcome of that game at this point. Speaking of dominating the conversation about the outcome, I feel so bad for the 49ers and their quarterback situation. I know it's not like guys slipped coming off the bus and the Eagles pressure got home and, and that led to the injuries. But what's your thought on you know how much of that game was San Francisco has no chance without a quarterback versus the Eagles are the best team? Yeah, I mean, it, it really kind of felt like the game was over to me when when, when Purdy went, went out. I mean, it, it wasn't really. I mean, the, the, they did get the McCaffrey touchdown to, to tie the game. It was seven uh, seven. You know, they, they they hung around for a while, but I mean, it just it felt to me like it was inevitable that uh, Philadelphia was was going to put that game um, away, which they did. Uh, I, I do kind of wonder, you know, how much this, has this team really been tested now going into into the uh, Super Bowl? I mean, you can't. You can't deny that they've been great, consistently good all season, except for the, the hiccups the last couple of weeks with, with Jalen Hurts missing some time. But uh, you know, I, I've been I've been up in Philadelphia for those last two games, uh, and, and they both they both felt you know like they were over in, in the first quarter. So you kind of wonder, you know, how how are the Eagles going to stack up against a team that's going to give them a much tougher test? We, we would assume uh, against Kansas City, um, and also really how how good is Jalen Hurts going to be? I mean, it's, it's kind of apparent he's still not fully healthy, but they've really kind of been able to shield him um, these these two games, particularly from throwing the ball much. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they're uh, able to, to stand toe-to-toe with the Kansas City team that should give them a much a much tougher test. Nate, that Eagles pass rush, I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I can't stop talking about it. It's so good. It's so dominant. The year they put together already, it's not just a group that's got that got hot late in the season, like those Giants teams that won the Super Bowl a, a couple times. This group from wire to wire has been incredible, and they might be getting better. That's why I've kind of got a Philadelphia lean here for the Super Bowl. Just, just give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's fair, Danny. I mean, only team in history to have four guys with, with uh, you know, four guys with double-digit sack seasons, and, you know, you kind of mentioned they've been consistent, but, I mean, they, they also have been getting hot. I think uh, I think I saw that Hassan Reddick has had 11 and, sa- 11 and a half sacks since the start of December. Um, you know, finished I think with 16 on the season, and has been huge uh, in both of these playoff games. I mean, certainly he's he's the guy that really changed the course of that game yesterday with with the, the strip sack of, of Purdy. Um, you know, unfortunately caused the injury, but also also the turnover there. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, these things come come in waves, and certainly uh, you know we'll, we'll see. Kind of uh, where Patrick Mahomes has progressed from from yesterday to, to, to two weeks. What's his mobility like? But um, you, you know, when you've got this relentless pass rush and it allows you to, to keep seven guys back, uh, you know, in coverage, that, that's a huge advantage. Just to sneak one more in on the Chiefs, if you remember the the narrative before the season started was after trading Hill, you know, they were going to take a step back. The division was so much better, and they win a seventh straight division title. Is it more complicated than they still got Mahomes and they still got Reed, right? So they'll probably be just fine. I mean, it's hard. I guess it's pretty hard. And throwing Travis Kelsey, you know, as well. I mean, those three guys have kind of been the common denominators throughout this run. And it's getting to the point where it's one of the more remarkable runs in NFL history. You know, five championship games. At home, you know, Travis Kelsey is pretty much number two on, on most of the, the playoff receiving lists at this point, you know, behind Jerry Rice. So uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, I mean, there certainly is a component where the division wasn't nearly as good 
as we thought it would be. But, I mean, I think you really have to give this team credit um, for evolving without Tyreek Hill. And we have seen that there, there really isn't that explosive big play element we're used to seeing very often. And, you know, I think, you know, see, seeing more use of Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield, that kind of stuff has, has kind of showed a bit of evolution with Andy Reid's, you know, play, play calling. So, um, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, I, I, think, I think that's correct. But, I mean, this, this team has changed, but, but the, uh, the results haven't. Nate Davis, check him out, USA Today Sports. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Great having you on the Blitz. And let's keep it moving. The local 53 when it comes to football. Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch, our good buddy. Michael, is today your birthday? It is, yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. First of all. Thank you. No place I'd rather spend it than the Blitz. Well, I know you're right about that. We were happy that you said yes on such an important day. And so we have been preparing this. We hired a band. Here we go, fellas. Are you ready? (laughs) Go for it. Can you believe that? We whipped, we got them here. We whipped that up in like five minutes. I mean, I, I won't lie. I was hoping for Jazzy Hail to the Commanders, but that that is definitely the next best thing. <laughs> we can arrange for that as well. They are available. Uh, watching championship weekend through the Commander's lens, what comes to mind? Well, I just, look, every year the teams make the Super Bowl and they set the trends for the NFL. Obviously, Matt Stafford won, and it's, you got to go trade for a veteran quarterback. Now we see the Eagles winning, and it's no, you got you know you got to find find your guy, find your quarterback, and and you know build build a solid roster around that. And and my thought every time is you know you just know they're going to chase that trend this year, whatever it is. You know they'll be chasing. I just love for once, for one year, one time, for them to set a trend instead of chasing a trend. For them, you know, to to not be reactionary, but but to blaze a trail and and zag while everybody else is zigging and, you know, be the team that other teams copy and instead of trying to, you know, run to Kinko's and, and, and make a facsimile of whatever's working. Michael, as of yesterday, uh, it was two years and 26 days for when the Philadelphia Eagles benched uh, Jalen Hurts so that Nate Sudfeld can play to make sure that they lost to the would, what would be the 7-9 and nine happy-to-be-there Washington football team. Two years after that, 26 days later, that Eagles team dominated the 49ers on their way to a Super Bowl. I don't really have a question. I'm just so angry about that. And meanwhile, <laughs> our guys like, well, it's not disappointing. We had we did some decent things this year. And before the season started, wouldn't commit to saying that making the playoffs is a realistic goal. I mean, I, I, how can anybody be okay with this? That's my. I guess that's my question. <laughs> it's, there, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there, Danny, obviously. But, um, you know, I... I I mean, I, I go around on this, and I, I just think, like, it, star coaches and star players really make this league go round. And, I mean, look at the Giants. The Giants make a huge one-year leap right after the coaching change, right after installing that. Um, and Ron Rivera was what the franchise needed at a very tumultuous time to, to be an adult in the room. So I, I don't think his tenure will ultimately be viewed as a failure. I, I think he kept the ship steady during a time when – uh, you know, other coaches would have undoubtedly folded it with everything they were up against. Um, and, and that's part of the answer here is just, I don't know that anybody could win under Dan Snyder because of the headwinds you're facing. Um, but, but look around this coaching staff. Is there anybody on Ron Rivera's staff who you say, that guy's a star, that guy's going to be an NFL coach in a few years, you know, it, it, in once he gets his opportunity, whatever it is. And I, I don't 
see that guy. I see a lot of football lifers who grind and put together nine and seven seasons. And I, I, I keep coming back to, I really do think these are what they've done is an impressive feat given the title waters they've been in here of, of Dan Snyder and these investigations and everything that's gone on. Um, but it, it's hard to see that, that next step being taken. Larry, sit, sit. Okay. Get in position guys. Get in position guys. Chelsea, not now. Not, get in position. I present to you Michael Phillips from our marching band. We've been working very hard on this. I'm done. And you say we didn't get you what you wanted for your birthday, Miguel. Delightful. I mean, I, that, that makes my day right there. Brings a smile. Good luck to your wife and kids topping that on the big birthday. <laughs> it's your big day. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Be good. Take care, guys. See you, buddy. We'll see you. There's Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the birthday boy on Grant and Danny. Next, Eric Bieniemy, the Washington Commanders. Might that make some sense? Could the Commanders be in on Bieniemy, who they're supposed to be interviewing now with the Chiefs season ending? Would he take a lateral move to leave Andy Reid's side to go elsewhere? You're listening to The Fan. The end of an era for the Nationals. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. Joe Ross has signed a minor league deal with the San Francisco Giants, closing the book on his time in D.C. here in Washington and closing the book on one of the great trades in the history of D.C. sports. Remember, the Nationals flipped Steve Souza, who was in the minor leagues for years, and got in the three-team deal where Souza ended up in Tampa Bay with the Rays. Joe Ross, a first-round pick, and Trey Turner, now in Philadelphia. One of the all-time trades, man. Ross ended up pitching in 98 games and making almost 80 starts, giving the Nats over 440 decent major league innings, struck out over eight batters per nine, has really seen his career derailed by injuries more than anything else, was exceptional when he first got to the show, and frankly was better his first couple seasons than he has been during an injury-riddled last few years but was a big piece to the Nationals team in 19 that won the World Series. I, I think while it's not the highlight of his career here, maybe the thing he'll be most known for was Game 5 at Nationals Park. Uh-huh. When in the World Series against the Astros, you and I are doing our pregame show, and we are on air talking about Max Scherzer pitching that night, and news breaks that Scherzer couldn't put his pants on and his back locked up, and his wife had to drive him to the ballpark and help him get into the facility. And Joe Ross is going to get the ball. And I still remember the ovation he got. was incredible. Coming out of the Nats dugout, walking in foul territory down to the bullpen to throw before the game. when Because people got word, this is the most 2023 thing ever. And uh -huh. This was in 2019. But via Twitter, via their phones, some people maybe listening to our pregame show, us. getting yeah. here, whatever. But Joe Ross comes out, and everyone knows he's starting now. Word of mouth around the ballpark. And he got a huge standing ovation and applause. The people that weren't even at their seats yet, you know, just drinking beers at the bar at the stadium and the, the red porch or whatever. Like, oh, it must be Joe Ross. And everyone's turned around just cheering. And everyone was behind him. It was just such a cool scene that night. Got to go up against Garrett Cole. 
enjoy that. Good luck on short notice. I thought he pitched admirably, too. He kept him in the game, and it wasn't a disaster. I know the overall stat line didn't look incredible. He didn't get but, rocked. Was that yeah. the game where Fernando Rodney came in and just gave up all the offense? No, all the that, was, that was actually, I think Hudson allowed a bunch of runs there, inherited. I, I want to say I can't remember how it went. Games. They won zero of them. Yeah, it's all a it all runs together where the where the Astros scored a bunch of runs and the Nats didn't. <laughs> in the the movie with the replacements, uh, there's a scene where Keanu Reeves. Someone's asking him about like the how did you get that bruise or whatever, and he's like, I don't know. It all just blurred together into one big beatdown. The the three games against the Astros, it, I can't separate it all. Other than Joe Ross coming out of the dugout. After that, I just know they lost three times, and instead of being up 2 nothing, they were down 3-2, and I was sure they were going back to Houston to lose the World Series. That's kind of how it felt, yeah. Lost three games at home, and it wasn't it wasn't 3-2 losses. It was bludgeonings all just, over the place. As a reminder, they won that World Series. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. That was the last good thing that happened in D.C. sports. Anyway, um, Joe Ross is a great dude. And he is. I, I always felt for him. Because like it would seem like every time he'd work his way back, he'd start to, to feel it a little bit. You know, he was always trying to find that third pitch at times. And I, I remember his, he started the last game of the year, I actually want to say, in 2019 against the Indians, who still had something to play for, and he shoved it on them. And it was just kind of happy-go-lucky, ho-hum. It was, it was pretty fun. And every time it seemed like he was starting to turn the corner, he would get hurt again. Yep. You know, just always battling something, always battling arm stuff. He was coming back from a serious injury last year, and he pitched once in double-A. In fact, it was the same night as Strauss pitched in Fredericksburg. I remember because I was monitoring it on my phone mm. while I was watching Strauss pitch at Fredericksburg, and he threw, I think it was like four no-hit innings. And the thought was, let's go, Joe, Joe Ross. Ross. Hey, Joe Ross. And they shut him down right after that. Yeah. They said something's wrong with the arm. He, he's not going to pitch again this year. So you just keep your fingers crossed for him that uh, he's going back home. He's a California kid, signs on with the Giants, and, and maybe he can have some career Ahead of him here. Uh, he and his brother, both in the big leagues. Not quite Jason and Travis Kelsey this week, I guess. But uh, he and Tyson Ross have both had decent major league careers. So I'm sure the family's proud of those guys. I thought you were going to say you always felt bad for him. Because no one in the history of the Nationals has done more appearances with you and I from the team. I don't know how true. or why. Yeah. But like every time we link up with the Nats to do something, Joe Ross is the player rep. There's, just stuck with us. Been, through the years, like we've done stuff with Zim or Doolittle or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if there's ever a, hey, there's going to be a player there with you guys, and we don't know who it's going to be, like Joe Ross walks in, he's like, what's up, dudes? Hey, guys. And we're like, and we're like sorry. Sorry, dude. Sorry. He's like, oh, you guys again. Now, this will be fun, really. We talk about feeling bad. I did not like standing next to Joe Ross. 6'4". Good looking, man. Handsome as all hell. Nice. Always, it's like he's like that. Oh, I didn't shave yesterday. My bad, girl. Like that perfect little stubble on his face. God, he's handsome. Beautiful eyes, too, if I can say that. Good sinker. Like that, that's the kind of thing, if I was a lady, would really get me going. The sinker or the eyes? Pa- both. Pa- a good power sinker and nice eyes. Sign me up. Ground ball contest. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, good luck, Joe Ross in San Francisco. And how about that trade? I mean, we've reached Seriously. a point in our Nats fandom where you just have to remember the. The cool things that happened a bunch of years ago. But that was a good time when Rizzo somehow got Ross as the second player in a deal with Trey Turner for Steven Souza by God. I think if memory serves, I mean, this is forever going to, we're talking like 10 years or whatever that was. But I, I remember hearing about that. I feel like you texted me that that was happening. It's possible. If memory serves. And I, and I go, like, Grant, what bit is this? 
You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going, what, what is this one I'm, I'm supposed to fall for it? And you're like, got you. And then like you put me on camera or something. What what prank show are we doing? This That didn't make any sense. At that time when they did that, there it was a player to be named later because the Trey Turner rule was not mm-hmm. in effect yet. That's right. So Trey Turner had just been drafted, drafted that year out of NC State where he was, none of this matters, but now we're just nerding out a bit. He was college teammates with one of the better lefties in baseball right Carlos now. Carlos Rodon? Rodon. Yeah. He went 14th, I think it was, maybe 13th overall that year, top 15. And it was not long after that draft. You're not allowed to trade anybody for a calendar year that the two teams, or three teams, I guess it was, agreed to this trade, but the Nats would only do it if they could get Turner. And so for months, everyone in baseball had to pretend like we didn't know who the player to be named later was, even though it was long confirmed that it was Turner. And then after the calendar year was up, Turner got to report to the Nats. But think about how weird that is. The, the Padres had to keep playing him in their system, had to coach him, had to mentor Just him. Just pretend. Had to spend money and time and energy developing him while he was a national, basically. Yeah. And luckily, they have since changed that rule, which was a really, really bad, silly rule. But he's uh, he's got multiple rules that he's had changed, Trey Turner. There's a couple of Trey Turner rules out there now. What's the other one? Uh, the running down the first base thing after what happened. Now, did they change anything because of that? Uh, I, I guess they just call it the Trey Turner play or yeah. the Trey Turner rule. You know, basically, I, I don't know if there's an adjustment that was made. But, yeah, I think that was one of them. There might even be one other, I think. I think there's like three things he's got his name on. He's responsible for? the. Um, you never see that except for that time with Trey Turner is kind of what I call it. But, yeah. What a, what an unbelievable spin. That was that was a Mike Rizzo. Like, if he called, if you're another GM, you should be terrified. Right. Like, I'm getting bamboozled today. That was back, and this was so crazy. That was when the Nationals were in the business of trying to win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, was that uh, fun. That was uh, back when, like, trying to achieve was a goal. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Good oh, times. boy. Distant oh, memories. was that neat. Long time. Speaking Long of time. achievement, Eric Bieniemy. Why don't we talk about this little story? So the Commander's OC search has been really slow developing and methodical. And I think a lot of people have just kind of assumed, look, they're not necessarily looking for the same guys that everyone else is, so they can do this at their own pace. No one's trying to race you to Pat Shermer, right? No one's going to beat you to Ken Zampezi. So if you want to take your time and go play a round of golf in the process, Ron, you do that, right? However, Eric Bieniemy, if he were to leave Kansas City, would be sought after. And over the weekend, multiple national and local reporters came out and said that Bieniemy will be talking to the commanders, I guess, or at least that they requested permission to interview him for their opening. And I keep hearing everyone dismiss this as if there's no way he'd leave the Chiefs for Washington. And I actually think that that is flawed. I think there will be better jobs that he will take over the commanders. True. I think there are going to be jobs if he leaves Kansas City that make more sense for him. True. I think people are wrong when they assume he's not going to leave the Chiefs for a lateral move. Because he wants to be a head coach. Danny, do you realize he is interviewed for over half of the NFL teams now? Gosh. What he is running into is, it seems to me, Like, teams believe he's not involved enough. He doesn't do enough of the important stuff in that offense. I'm not telling you that's fair, okay? Matt Nagy did the same thing that Eric Biennemi did, best we can tell on the outside. He got a head coaching job with the Bears. Not particularly good at it. Doug Peterson, who is exceptional, 
did exactly, supposedly, from the outside looking in, what the enemy does, the, the Andy Reid whisperer, the guy that helps Reid run the offense but doesn't call the plays. He got a job out of it. For some reason, though, people aren't willing to give the enemy this shot. And so, in the same way when Matt LaFleur left Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams at the time, as his OC, and he said, I'm going to go to Tennessee in a worse situation with Marcus Mariota, but a defensive-minded head coach, and spread my wings and just do my own thing. And a year later, he became the coach of the Packers. For two years now, people have been saying, this is something the enemy needs to do. Again, whether he should have to or not, if you think that it's fair that he has to do this, reasonable conversation and discourse we could have. But it does seem like this would benefit him. 100%. Now, I don't know about here specifically, but that move in principle where you get out from the shadow of a Hall of Fame coach that is known as an offensive genius and you're in charge of your fiefdom, right? You go find the, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, the uh, Robert Salas of the world. You go find the, the Vic Fangios of the world who are in charge of the defense. You run your own little kingdom. You are the offensive guy. It's your show, sink or swim. That is a great resume builder. That's a way to say, I agree with you. Whether he should have to or not, I think he should not. But that's not the reality. The reality is where are where we are. That he should escape from Andy Reid. What more success you need to have? You go to three out of the last four Super Bowls. You're part of that group. You did something there. Your your legacy is stamped in that regard. Your Kansas City legend never pay for a beer in that town again. Spread your wings. Forget the Super Bowls. It's the best offense in the league too, year yeah. after year after year after year. While you're the coordinator of it. You are the OC. There is no offensive coordinator who has had even a modicum of the success in terms of quarterback, uh, where they rank in the league in performance, and passing ability as a scheme, and the numbers that Eric Bieniemy has had that hasn't gotten a job within a couple of years. And, and he's on several years now. There's just no other example of someone having that kind of success. So it leads you to wonder, do GMs know something we don't? Is there a reason in this interviewing process? I mean, there's no way this could be because he had a DUI in the 90s. I mean, that, that would seem ridiculous yeah. to me, that that's keeping him from the job, which comes up. But you don't know why. What I'm saying is, if I'm the enemy, currently the status quo is not working. The Chiefs aren't going to be better on offense. I can't trend any higher up as a coordinator. I think that even though maybe Nagy and Peterson didn't deal with this, the assumption is... Andy Reid is doing a lot of the work, and you're standing next to him. There's this picture I saw floating around the internet, and I don't think this is even fair. In general, I don't think pictures tell stories the way that, you know, you can make them tell whatever story you want. But there was some type of meeting on the sideline at an important sequence when they were calling a big play yesterday. And Mahomes and Reid are talking. Mahomes is getting Gatorade. You know, the, the backup quarterbacks are around. Uh -huh. Basically, Eric Bieniemy is like right outside of this little powwow of the meeting of the minds. And he's just kind of peering over with, like, his play chart. And you got Andy Reid talking to Pat Mahomes. And someone said, you really think this guy is running the show or whatever? And, like, of course it's Andy Reid's show. But there is a precedent of other people who have been outside that little circle who have gotten gigs. Like, one of my philosophies, if I'm hiring a GM, I hire the assistant GM for the best organization. Mm -hmm. If I'm hiring a head coach, I want the assistant head coach at the best place. I'm not telling you that Biennemi calls their plays or is the end-all, be-all offensively, but he's been around one of the top three guys doing this for nearly a decade. He probably knows something. A, he's doing something. He doesn't just get to you know punch the time <laughs> right. card. He's not doing George Costanza you with the Benzke file. He takes a nap all day? And yeah. just, no. But he should leave Kansas City, and he should take another job. And I was told from someone that knows that 
he and Andy Reid met at the end of last season, and Reid kind of brought up the idea of, hey, is it maybe it's time you leave me and, and go run your own shop, so to speak. If he's going to do that this offseason, mm-hmm. Washington, who wants to interview him, would be an amazing place for him to land for all of us that want to see 2023 football, that want to see passing and playmaking and getting outside the box and being creative and being unique offensively. I just don't see how it would be a fit with Ron and the Martys, with what they want. Because the, their vision and what the Chiefs look like, I think, are diametrically opposed. But let's get into that next. Phones are open for you at 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. Number one, do you think enemy should leave Kansas City to take an OC job where he can call plays to try to get a job? Number two, from a D.C. perspective, if he does meet with the commanders, what would your interest level be in hiring him? And number three, do you think it's a fit for what Rivera and the Martys want? We'll answer all those questions next on GND. We got Jay Gruden at the top of the hour. The Commanders would like to talk to Eric Bieniemy. There is a chance he leaves Kansas City this offseason to get to call his own plays. Would make sense he would go somewhere where there's a defensive-minded head coach so he can run the entire half of the building and turn some heads to a point where he could actually get a head coaching job after you know, basically his work being belittled because Andy Reid runs the offense in Kansas City. I don't think it works here, Danny, just because I think the way he views offense coming from the Andy Reid philosophy and the way Marty Marty, and Ron Rivera view offense are two completely different things. They want to run the ball. Biennemi is not the guy that's going to come here and just pound the football. So if I'm hiring someone, bring him over. Let's try this. Let's see if some of that Andy Reid cologne wore off. Because it's them that's making the hire, I think they'd prefer Shermer or maybe even Zampezi, as silly as that sounds. Here's what I wonder. Now, I'll do this real quick. He was a running back in the NFL. I wonder if he doesn't have the exact same rubber stamp philosophy as Andy Reid. I wonder if he could maybe accentuate that in any kind of interview process here. Maybe he's got some ideas about running the ball, but you got Pat Mahomes over there. You had Tyreek Hill until this year, and you got Travis Kelsey. I'd major in that, too. Here, you don't have the same recipe. But maybe you could sell that. What I like about him, if I'm the anybody, really, yeah. is... You're the sous chef in the greatest kitchen exactly. in the world. He's you're, you're saying, well, maybe he doesn't have to cook that way. Maybe he's good at this other genre of food as well. And I'm saying, well, no, 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 that's not really what I want. <laughs> I want you to bring to me what you're doing in that kitchen. Yeah, I'm just practically thinking about because I want him right now, this minute. Tony, Fredericksburg, what's up? Hey, guys. What's yeah, up, Tony? So my, my concern with Benjamin is what is what's his appeal on coming to D.C. when you have all the instability of ownership and – Yes, it might be a one-year, hey, I can get a head coaching job, all things go well. But right now on paper, you got a second-year quarterback in Sam Howell running the show and an offensive philosophy where they want to run the ball 50% of the time. I don't really see the fit happening. And also, I tend to think he might be just slightly overrated when, like you said, you have Mahomes, you have Kelsey, you had Tyreek Hill for all these years. And I don't mean, you how want many to figure that out you... once and for all, Tony? Wouldn't you be curious to – to be the team to kind of be the experiment there? Well, I think there would, there's better options for him. I mean... Agreed. I, I totally agree. Thank you for the call. Look, we're not asking are there better options. We started the conversation by saying, if you're Eric Bieniemy, you can probably do better than Washington. What I'm, We're more asking this from the commander's perspective. Mm-hmm. We're not taking calls on what Bieniemy might think. And I think your call is totally reasonable. It's a really good call. Thank you for making it. 
I'm more curious about, would Ron Rivera hire him? Even though it seems like he might be overqualified, I come from the belief that he doesn't do what Ron wants done. I just don't even think they would hire him if he wanted this job, as crazy as that sounds. Isn't that nuts? Kent, Virginia, what's up? So much, guys. How y'all doing? Good, pal. Doing well. Um, I think it's going to be just a waste of time. Let him go take his talent somewhere else because if the new owner, if there is a new owner, buys out Dan Snyder and buys the whole football team and everything, he's going to put his own people in. And, and then that's the Paul that hangs over anybody that would take the gig. But if I'm the enemy, I'm going, maybe that's what I want. I all all that the only box for me left to check is to say, can you call plays successfully in this league? You need one I'm doing season that for a year. Where you called plays. Let's say they're offense and you're like you're coming from the bottom. They've been bottom five offense for the last three years. Yep. If they, we can be the fourteenth best offense in the NFL next and they got year a kid quarterback? with me calling plays and Sam Howell shows promise and looks like he's a starter, I get a head coaching job. I need one year with Howell not uh going down his leg, and I need one year with this offense making strides. If I believe in myself, I need that one season. I'm now a head coach. Patrick in Fredericksburg, what's up? Hey, guys. How we doing? What's up, bro? Hey, so I, as much as I like Eric Bieniemy, I think he deserves a shot as a coach, uh, being either a head coach or the offensive coordinator, getting to call the plays. I don't think Ron Rivera is going to bring him in because that's like asking Ron Rivera to build his own coffin. He's not going to want to bring in a guy who is – ultimately going to replace him even if the offense improves marginally. Even if they even had the same record, the offense went up two or three slots. Eric enemy, whether Snyder sells most of the team or all the team, is going to be a head coach favorite next year. So I don't think it's a smart move by Ron, even if he wanted him there. That's interesting. I mean, remember, yeah, that's a good point. Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, is a former head coach. He did bring him in knowing you're bringing in a guy who could replace you if you got fired. There are a lot of coaches who don't play that game. Like, And I think in general, this is true to business, when you hire a bunch of people around you that are non-threatening just because they're not going to threaten you, generally it's really bad practice it's not great. and your business stinks. He did with Del Rio specifically have someone on staff that would make for a head coaching candidate if you were blown out in season. I don't know that there's anyone else on their staff that I would say that about, though. What do you make of that call? He hasn't had an OC, you know, it's since Norv Turner probably the, who had head coaching experience. Del Rio, a head coach candidate. I think Del Rio by the way is improperly viewed as a bad head coach. By the way, I think he actually got a raw deal if you got to go back and look. I think Pretty was, sure his numbers are better than Rivera. Yeah, they are and he was fine. So, but he's thought of that way. He's not a hot head coaching candidate. Whereas Bienemy sort of is. So you you might be bringing in your replacement. Let's go to Jay in DC on Grant and Danny. What's up Jay? How are you? Hey, what's up, you guys? Hey, uh, yeah, I, kind of, I, I disagree with the last caller and um, you, Grant. First of all, he's a running back. He was a running back coach, and he was a running back back in back in school. Um, I don't like. I don't think we actually know exactly what he would run if he had our offense. I, I think he's been running what he what he wants to run and what Andy Reid wants to run, depending on what he has. And I just, I disagree with the last caller because um, um, uh, he's he's the GM. He's not just the coach. So he can always go off and say, hey, I might move up to the GM level and make you the head coach. So I think that's why he's not really scared uh, of losing his job because he, he is the GM. Yeah. And I was, I was wondering if you guys could rank, like, the, the top eight, like, offensive coordinator um, openings that we still have because this seems like the worst. 
And so I would love to have him, but it yeah, seems let's like do the that. worst. Yeah, we could do that. We'll, we'll do that. Um, we got Jay Gruden coming up at 5. Maybe we can do that right after Jay. And we can continue with some of your guys' thoughts and conversation and calls on uh, Eric Bieniemy as well right after Jay Gruden joins us. We'll get his take on this. So let's plan on 525, put a pin in that, and get back to it then. I'll just say this. I don't disagree that he would run the ball more if he came here. My point is, every offensive coordinator is going to adapt to their personnel, obviously. My point is, the whole reason he's a hot, sexy candidate is because of the offense he's been helping to run and because of what Andy Reid's offense is. I'm hiring him because I want Andy Reid's offense. If I want someone to run the ball, I shouldn't hire Eric Bieniemy. I should hire Greg Roman because Greg Roman's excellent at running the ball. That's my point on that. Uh, Jay Gruden, top of the hour, joins us next. We'll get his expertise on play calling and what he thinks about the enemy as a fit somewhere calling play should he leave Kansas City. Plus, Jay's got a lot of takes on yesterday's games. Next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 